Makers, I'm Matt Prater. My guest host today is the lovely Karen Hunt. How are you doing, Karen? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. And joining us in the studio, we have the lovely Barbara Zalumis. Now, Barbara is a good friend of mine. Uh, her daughter is actually one of my babysitters, Karen, which is very important that oh, we are very staying with her, in the, the babysitter's house. Step. <laughs> um, Barbara uh, is from Zimbabwe and has five children and uh, has an incredible story of how God has brought her to Australia from Zimbabwe. Uh, welcome to the studio, Barbara. How are you hey, doing? Hey, hi, Australia. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here, Barbara. Thank you, Karen. Now, I should just say um, I uh, went over on a trip to New Hope Church in Hawaii and uh, Barbara and two of her daughters came along. And I just loved uh, hanging out with them, getting to hear their story of what God's been doing in their life. And I said, we've got to do an interview about it. We've got to get you on the radio. This is an incredible testimony. Um, So, Barbara, uh, right now you're working uh, as a producer, as a director. You're making documentaries. You've graduated from university. You've uh, you've got your own ministry that you're you're reaching out to, to women and youth. You're doing all this stuff. But for those who don't know your background story, Tell us, uh, what was life like growing up in Zimbabwe and how did you come to know the Lord? Um, growing up in Zimbabwe was really good. Um, you know, you have a lot of uh, land, you have a lot of friends. And, you know, when they say it's mostly like you're growing up in a village, a lot of friends, a lot of people around you. And so, yeah, it was really good. Um, I got born again when I was 18 years old Um I went over to visit a friend of mine, and we were going to have a couple of drinks. And, um, yeah, we got to sit in on the lounge, and I noticed she wasn't drinking any alcohol and everybody else was. And she just started telling me about the Lord, and, and then she invited me to church on Sunday, and the church was called Hear the Word Ministries at the time. And um, I went on a Sunday, and um, by the end of the service, I found myself heading up towards the front, and I gave my life to the Lord. And was there a dramatic change in your life? Did all your friends and family notice? Yes, there was a dramatic change because during the service, they had also advertised a job for a receptionist at the church. And after I became born again, I immediately knew that I wanted to work for the church. And yeah, eventually that's what I ended up doing. I applied for the job and I got the job. And yeah, I worked for them for the next seven years. So from no church experience to full-on life church, <laughs> yeah. how did you cope? <laughs> um, it was very difficult because I was the only born-again Christian in my family, and it was really, really difficult. But I had um, a good church, you know, surrounded me. I got into a cell group, and yeah, in no time at all. Um, in fact, right now, most of my family members, relatives and cousins are now born again. Now, you've got an incredible uh, family as well. Uh, you've got uh, twin daughters who are, how old are the, the, the older girls? They're 16, 16. 17, yeah. And then you've got a, a boy who's 14. Yes. And then twin girls again who are, what, seven are they? Yes, turning seven. Turning seven. Two mm-hmm. lots of twins. Yes, two lots so of twins. So that's four, five, so that's all of them? Are there more? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You've got your hands full, honey. <laughs> and I understand that the younger twins were actually triplets. Uh, yes. Tell us that story. Um, the younger twins were triplets, and um, at the time that I fell pregnant, um, Zimbabwe was going through a very difficult political situation. Um, there were a lot of sanctions being set on Zimbabwe, and so 
during that time, there wasn't a lot of food in the shops. And so um, having triplets and having, you know, I was malnourished. And, um, you know, there's that scripture that says, you know, in the last days, the hearts of many will grow cold. And unfortunately, the family members that I had around me weren't uh, able to assist me, you know, with cleaning and all the household chores, etc. plus having to work. And so during the third month of my pregnancy, I lost one of the babies. Mm. Yeah, so it was a very difficult time for me. And um, I had to recover quickly, you know. And, um, yeah, because I was the only one at that time that was actually providing an income for our family. Yeah, and I was earning 100 Australian dollars a month. So, yeah. A month. Mm, month, That was sharing before about uh, your need to actually go driving way long distances just to pick up the basics, the bread. The milk. Was that at the same time frame? Yes, that was ex- at the same time frame because what actually happened with the sanctions is that therefore um, and and because there was a whole lot of uh, political issues going on, th- there was no um, local produce basically. People weren't farming. So the shops were empty and um, you'd have to drive from one suburb to another and, you know, distances to go try and look for bread or milk, just your basics. And I remember one time having absolutely nothing to put in the kids' lunch boxes for school. And I had a boiled cabbage, and that's what they took for lunch that day. Mm. So, yeah, it was a very difficult time. And at this time, uh, you were dreaming about coming to Australia. And uh, I remember hearing you share your testimony recently that you had a vision board where you actually put like a, a picture of a Qantas plane and uh, – pictures of Australia and tell us a bit about your vision board, how that all came about. Um, Yeah, we had a conference at church and during that conference um, I saw a map of Australia and little fires breaking out from one state to another but they were emanating from the Brisbane and um, after that I had that vision. The Lord spoke to me about, you know, the call to Australia and I was just so passionate but, you know, when I looked at everything around me, you know, the poverty, the lack, and how much I was earning a month, it just seemed so impossible in the natural. And one of the things that the Lord led me to do was to do a vision board, you know, and um, and I so I, I began to write down what I wanted to see in the physical. And there's that scripture in Corinthians that says, for we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, for mm. the things that are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal. And so I began to work on a vision board, and I put on the Aquantis plane and I cut, I took some pictures of the kids and myself. And I, if there were, there were actually other passengers in that picture, but I pasted our faces on there. And then I cut out a picture of a house, a farmhouse and with a porch and I put it on there. I went to the immigration website and I cut out a copy of a visa, Australian visa. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I just then, Put it in front of the wall, you know, like where I'd sleep. I put it up on the wall, and every morning I would just wake up. That's the first thing I would see, and I would pray about it. And I'd, I'd actually, you know, see the kids and I walking up the staircase of the plane, and me saying to the kids, "Are you comfortable? Are you afraid?" And you know, really comforting them as they sit in the seats. And that's what gave me hope in the midst of everything else that I could see. Still in Zimbabwe. So a vision board. Mm. So a picture of hope to keep you going each day. What was it, Barbara, that you were wanting to leave behind specifically? Help me understand. Yeah. Um, What I wanted to leave behind was the past. You know, um, all my life I'd grown up, you know, and just knowing that 
there was something more that the Lord wanted me to do. And after having that vision of all the fires and having, you know, um, always being somebody that um, was, you know, hopeful of a future, um, I think I wanted to give my children a better future than I had. You know, I've always wanted to go when I was in Zimbabwe, further my education, go to university. And I always wanted to do film and television and movies, and I never had that opportunity. And I just said, you know, apart from giving my kids a future, I just felt the only way I was going to fulfill these hopes and dreams was by going to Australia. Mm. And why Australia over somewhere else? I don't know. Because th- in 2004, um, I had the opportunity of actually coming to Australia. Um, I was working and this is before I got born again for a tobacco company and uh, my contract ended and it was a very wealthy tobacco company and they gave me a huge payout and I got the opportunity to come to Australia very briefly and immediately I just fell in love with the country and I could not get Australia out of my mind mm-hmm. and I kept thinking about it and people thought I was crazy, you know, because all I could talk about was Australia, Australia, Australia and it's now 2006 two years later, and I'm still talking about Australia. Now, your <laughs> ex-husband actually got a job in Roma in Queensland, uh, and uh, I, I know that the story, I've heard you share the story before, it's a miraculous story about how he ended up getting the job and and uh, getting sponsored and the money that came in, you know, supernaturally, miraculously. Uh, he came out here first, and uh, then you just said, look, Lord, I've got to get there. I've got to bring my kids out here. Tell us about that next part of the journey. Okay. Um, after my ex-partner had already left for Australia, you know, um, a lot of the couples, I would say married couples in Zimbabwe were sending off their spouses to go make um, finances to support their families back in Africa. And I thought that's the way it would happen for us that, you know, he would come for a year or two, set himself up and then send for the kids and myself. But the Lord had other plans. Um, two, about a week into him being in Australia, the Lord said, you know, that he wanted us to join him as soon as, as soon as possible. And he gave me a date. And the date was, um, the second week of November in 2007. And that was kind of like, you know, three weeks away. And I said, Lord, we've got no money for air tickets. And it was going to cost around, um, round figure 5,000 Australian dollars for us to come to Australia. And that's talking to someone that earns a hundred Australian a month. So at that time I was just like, Oh my gosh, Lord. And, um, yeah, I, then went up to my boss because I, I was working for a church at the time in Zimbabwe. And I said, listen, I'm handing him my notice. I'm leaving for Australia. And what he didn't know and everybody else in the church is that I didn't even have a cent <laughs> <laughs> to go to Australia. And um, there were times where I'd go into the office and, you know, people would say to me, oh, because that time I, I, I was in the role of a deaconess and they'd be like, deaconess, we hear you going to Australia. And I'd be like, yes, praise the Lord. And in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I need you to come through with this money. And I, I know that um, miraculously people would give you envelopes full of cash and, and the Lord would just provide in so many different ways. And so let's fast forward a little bit. So you ended up, the, miraculously, the Lord provided the finances. You came to Australia. You were jet lagged. You arrived in your house. You had no furniture. The kids are asleep. You're jet lagged, and then you 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 actually went to a church service. Tell yes. us about that experience. Yes. Um. After arriving in Australia, um, 
we ended up at a COC church um, in Rome, wonderful, wonderful people. And um, when we got there, um, I didn't get a chance to really familiarize myself with the people in the church. And then we ended up going home to uh, just a mattress in a four-bedroom house. And um, we weren't really worried about just having a mattress in a four-bedroom house because we had each other. We were in Australia, <laughs> you know. And um, uh, not f- uh, after a couple of hours, um, a lovely gentleman arrived at the house, and um, an elderly gentleman, and he had an envelope. And um, he handed us an envelope with all these $50 Australian yellow money at the moment. That's what I called it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was in a state of shock and he had come from this church and he said, listen, um, we just want to bless your family with this. And um, somebody had actually donated this to us, but they didn't want to be mentioned. And then the next day, um, a couple of people from the church came as well with a truck and they just began to fill the house with furniture, with beds, with pots and pans and before the end of the day, we had a fully furnished house. And so we, we, we just are so thankful for the way God used the Christian Outreach Center Church in Roma. Good on you guys. <laughs> yeah, beautifully looked after, hey? And that's yes. the work of the church as it should be. Mm. Mm. You had this vision to, to study at university. And I know you're actually now, uh, you've graduated. You're actually an ambassador uh, for the uh, Queensland University of Technology. Uh, you've uh, been sponsored and, you know, all, all sorts of incredible things have happened. But, the other sad part of your story is that you became the victim of domestic abuse. Uh, do you just want to share with our listeners, you know, the journey you've been through? Yeah. Um, despite all these miraculous things that the Lord was doing for us, I've always been a victim. I had, you know, always been a b- victim of uh, domestic violence, um, you know, going back to when I first got married in Zimbabwe and um you know, um, I think because of pride and because I was a leader in the church, I never shared it with, you know, um, my leaders um, when I came to Australia. But my leaders in Zimbabwe were aware of it and they had spoken to me, you know, to say, you know, um, this is not a healthy situation for you. And even after um, I was making plans to come to Australia, they were, you know, they said, you know, this is not the best scenario. And. But I, you know, was fasting, I was praying, and I was really believing God for a breakthrough in that situation. And, um, well, anyway, um, when we came to Australia, I began to see that there was protection, there was a way out for women that were experiencing domestic violence situations. And um, um, one day um, after uh, my ex-partner said that he wanted to bring his ex-partner to come and stay with us from Zimbabwe, I just decided that I wasn't going to take it anymore. And um, I um, called DV and uh, domestic violence line. And then within a couple of um, hours, they had us brought to Brisbane and into a women's refuge. And then um, we just had to start building our lives from scratch with the kids. And we spent six months in a women's refuge. Um, After that, um, we – and and the interesting thing about it is that we had – two months to get onto a visa because being with my ex-partner at the time, he was the one that had the visa. And so if I we didn't get onto another visa within those two months, mm-hmm. we were going to be kicked out of the country. Or I had, my other choice was to go back. And I just said, Lord, I can't go back. And um, I just began to believe God for 
um, a visa for the children and I, and and we the Lord was faithful, and we managed to get permanent visas after two months, and um, then I began to set goals with a, a lovely caseworker of mine called Gemma. And one of the visions that I had was to go to university and um, take up film, television, and new media because this is what I'd always desired to do in terms of, you know, um, producing Christian movies that would impact the world for Jesus Christ. And I'm glad to say that I did manage to go back to university. Um, I've now graduated and I have a degree and um, I am um, pursuing a career in um, film and television. (laughs) Well, it's an incredible journey that you've been on, Barbara, and uh, I know I've seen a whole bunch of clips that you've produced. Uh, I know you've been making documentaries with the likes of, you know, Molly Meldrum and something to do. Was there like an AVA tribute thing that you you made a documentary about? What was that one? Um, Yes, um, I was, uh, during my university um, last year, I was... um, an intern at a documentary company called Gulliver Media, mm-hmm. and um, I had the opportunity to work on a documentary called Abba Bang a Boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, what, um, what was it called again? I love that with your accent. <laughs> Abba Bang a Boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it talks about the love-hate relationship between Australia and Abba, mm. and yes, um, they, we got you know uh, include a lot of people like Molly Madrum, mm-hmm. Maldrum in the documentary. So mm. it was a great opportunity. Opportunity for me as well as um, a filmmaker, you know. So can well, I ask your current project? What are you working on at the moment? Um, currently, I'm directing a documentary called Hanworth House. It's about a 18th century um, house in East Brisbane, and unfortunately, um, uh, yesterday an arsonist set the house alight, and so Brisbane has actually lost a, a very precious piece of history and. Um, we're just hoping that um, because we were able to take footage before mm. this took place, that um, you know we'll be able to create a good documentary yeah. that can, you know, withhold those precious memories of Hanworth House. Mm. Mm. Well, Barbara, it's been such a blessing to have you with us in the studio, and your story is an inspiration to many. Uh, you know, a single mum, five children. Uh, you've achieved your dream of coming to Australia. You're now starting to make documentaries and. Uh, you've actually started a ministry called Moving Women Forward. Uh, you're speaking in secular, uh, in the secular marketplace. And I know you've, you know, you, you've met, you know, all sorts of politicians like Teresa Gambaro and Kevin Rudd, and uh, you, you've been, you, you've been involved in all sorts of different events recently. Uh, and I just want to pray that the Lord will continue to open doors for you. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the great Christian films and documentaries that you're going to be making in the future. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for, for joining us today. I reckon you're a history maker. God bless. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, for having me. And thank you, Australia, for listening. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.